You're listening to Alabama Tradition with Ryan Fowler and Martin Houston on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Championships. 27 SEC titles. 131 first-team All-Americans. 70 postseason appearances. 39 postseason victories. This is Alabama football. And this is Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. back in we've been four hours uh we've let the people talk today and we've talked a lot of football we had brad edwards on earlier uh, an alabama alumnus from espn uh who kind of gave us some analytics uh we got william barger coming up in just a couple of seconds we had mike detillier wwl uh the big 870 does a showdown with bobby a bear uh there in wwl which is uh, the big station in new orleans uh we've had a chance also to talk to mike farrell uh, for the rival side of things, uh, we served a little crow. I mean, not a not you know a bad way, a mean way, but we did. I will remind you, we've got about fifty five minutes before uh, the votes uh, are closing. Uh, so if you want to go out, and and I guess the the way that I've read the uh, the rules, if you're in line, that you have the right to vote. So uh, you know you're still you're driving home. You're saying, well, listen, it's, it's too packed. It's too packed. Uh, you have that right. We're going to have updates right here uh, as we travel throughout the evening. Uh, with all of our local correspondents, Town Square Media, Tuscaloosa Thread, Tide109.com. Let's put all that on hold for just a couple of seconds here, and we're also going to replay our interview with Herschel Walker uh, coming up in a little bit later. We're going to get into that conversation. Uh, let's go to William Barger, a former offensive lineman uh, here in Tuscaloosa, a Crimson Tide insider. Hey, William, welcome back to T-Tail, man. I hope you're having a great day. I am, Ryan. You might as well add a uh, proud deplorable as well to my resume. Hi. Aren't we all? I mean, especially in this state, uh, when you when you look at it, and, and I talked to my boss earlier today, and I know, we're not going to politics here, but 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 his uh, he said you're not going to be able to get people to talk football, and I, I feel like kind of like Rush Limbaugh here this afternoon, uh, and and we've had people that have voiced their opinion, and I'm very appreciative of it, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm probably I'm probably in that category as well, and that's okay, that's okay, I, I accept it with a badge of honor, so. Uh, uh, William, let me open this one question up, and I don't want to pin you in one way. I just want to give me your thoughts uh, six games in on Alabama, just the flexibility to go where you need to go. I mean, you know, I, I preface this by saying that, you know, when you when you look at Mississippi State, um, their one win is over a, you know, LSU program that's in disarray. So, you know, I, I think, you know, you have to throw the caveat in there that, you know, although the defense was – you know, much improved um, last Saturday night. You know, if you you take into consideration that they probably have a, a decent SEC caliber front seven on defense, you know, I think the rest of the team is you know pretty much subpar. But you know, I thought the defense made strides. Um, you know, the, the the defensive line played better. The communication looked better. Um, you know, I think they had. Uh, three freshmen in the top five tacklers or top four. I know Malachi Moore and Will Anderson were in there. I think Dylan Moses was number two. But, 
Yeah, I thought the defense made strides. Um, yeah, I'd like to see what they look like against a better quality offense, um, which we may have to wait a couple weeks to see. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, obviously the the obvious here is, you know, the, the storyline for the 2020 Alabama team is, um, you know, Mac Jones and that offense. And, you know, you got to throw the loss of Jalen Waddle in there as well. But, um, you know, I like what Steve Sarkeesian did Saturday. Um, I thought that was probably the first game where, you know, Mac Jones was probably pressing a little bit, not being his normal patient self. Um, but, you know, I thought the offensive line and, and Najee Harris kind of picked up the, the slack and had a good outing in the running game, you know, against a pretty quality front seven on defense for Mississippi State, in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, obviously the storyline so far through the season, um, you know, as Alabama goes into their off week, has, has been that offense. We – and we give credit. We, we feature more offensive linemen on this show than any, any other show probably in the country. Uh, we, we like to talk to the big guys who get the job done. Uh, take a minute to talk about that offensive line, and maybe just in your eyes, who has played well. You know, I mean, I, you know, I think anytime you talk about the offensive line, you got to talk about them, you know, as a unit because it, it's it's really, you know, five guys that have to be on the same page and you know have good chemistry and cohesion and communication, and you know they've certainly, you know, I think done that. They've done a good job of protecting Mac Jones. Um, they've done a good job of, you know, kind of keeping that offense somewhat balanced with a with a pretty good running game. Um, you know, I think they've all played, um, you know, well. You know, I think, you know, Deontay Brown, um, you know, had the little shoulder, you know, problem versus Tennessee. But, um, you know, I think Evan Neal in his first season at right tackle has performed at a high level. Um, you know, Alex Leatherwood has performed well at left tackle. Um, you know, certainly I think the – the big story on the interior of the offensive line is, you know, Landon Dickerson's performance at center. I mean, he's um, obviously going to be a Remington finalist and, and uh, you know, just is kind of a throwback, nasty, old-school, you know, guy that plays with a mean streak and, um, you know, is, is what I would call a violent player. Um, so, I mean, I've, I've become a big fan of his. But, no, I think the offensive line is, you know, it's, it's kind of become a boring – annual tradition they're certainly going to be a finalist for the joe moore award you know in december or january is it something that kyle flood's doing that because it just seems like that this and i'm sure it's personnel they're 330 pound average across the front or maybe maybe slightly under that but 325 330 is it something kyle flood is doing with technique but it just seems like they're 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 a physical bunch you know i mean i think you could probably give some credit to kyle flood but you know i think the the credit starts and stops with the quality of, you know, recruit that Nick Saban, you know, goes after at those positions. I mean, you know, it's become a NFL first round draft, you know, factory at the offensive tackle position. Um, and, you know, some of those guys on the inside are, are going to be high draft picks as well. So, you know, when you go out and you identify guys and, and you're so good at it, um, like Nick Saban has been um, during his tenure at Alabama, and, and you identify guys that you feel like can one day be a, you know, and it, it, it comes down to the measurables, the athleticism, um, you know, but becoming a good offensive line at the SEC level and, and at the NFL level all boils down to one thing. Yeah, you got to have the length, the size, you know, and the athleticism, but, you know, um, your feet are, are what's the, the number one thing that allows somebody to be successful at that position. It's how quickly you can 
pick one foot up and put the other one down in a, in a fast manner. So, you know, I, I've never seen a guy really that's been better at identifying those kids coming out of high school than Nick Saban's been. When you look at the balance that Alabama, and I know you bragged on Sark in your opening comments, but I guess when you can keep that opposing defensive coordinator guessing and not being able to pile up on one side or the other, uh, that is a huge advantage. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, he's done a great job, but he's certainly got a uh, loaded toolbox to work <laughs> with. And, you know, I, I think with, you know, John Mechie's emergence and, and continued, um, you know, deep ball threat, I, I still think that, you know, you might see certain teams where, you know, they, they might choose to double cover both Smitty and, and Mechie. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Jalen Waddle loss is certainly a big blow, but I think Mechie's emergence – um, is going to probably mitigate that a little bit. And, you know, because if you choose to do that, um, you know, I, I think it's kind of become a pick-your-poison. Um, you know, I think Najee Harris is a better running back this year than he was last year. And, um, you know, if, if you want to you – know, opposing defensive coordinators kind of, you know, at some point have to pick their poison. I mean, we're going to load the box and not double cover those elite wide receivers and take our chances there. Um, are we going to play them honest and, and, you know, keep people back and, and, you know, try and stop the deep ball threat? Well, then you're going to get the, you know, the ground and pound from that offensive line and Najee Harris and Brian Robinson and Trey Sanders. So um, I, I'm sure when, when the opposing DCs, I'm sure Bo Pelini's already losing sleep. I mean, just exactly what poison do you pick to try and slow that machine down? It's, it's not an enviable um, position to be in. And let's stay on the offensive side of the football for, for just a couple of seconds. When you look at Will Rockard, I mean, when you look up the college football stats and you see Alabama at the top in some of these categories, uh, place kicking 37 to 37, uh, perfect on the field goal attempts. I mean, Nick Saban talked about it after Tennessee, how it changes uh, the way that you play offense when you've got a kicker that can put it between the uprights. It's been a long time. Yeah, and I, and I think that's probably been as you know, minuscule as this looks on paper. Or on the surface, I still think that, you know, Will Reichert's field goal before halftime against Georgia is probably going to end up being one of the, the biggest moments of this season as it continues to play out. That was a big um, confidence and momentum booster for that team going into the half after, you know, kind of an up-and-down first half, and you saw how it played out in the second half. But, yeah, certainly, um, you know, his consistency and range um, is, you know, I think something that needs to be discussed about the success of this offense. Let's go to the defensive side of the football when, when you look there. Um, you, you live in the area. Uh, you look at Malachi Moore. I, I feel like he's been one of the bright spots on that side of the football, been a consistent player and a guy that uh, needs to add some bulk, uh, but you can see the potential. No, I mean, I think obviously he's, certainly going to be in the discussion as, as you know the best true freshman defensive back in college football um you know I, I know um i haven't seen the stats since the mississippi state game but i know going into um the uh, the mississippi state game i mean he was just on a ridiculous um you know level of play um I, you know i think he i know he was one of the top leading tacklers you know against mississippi state and you know you know, if Alabama can continue to make baby steps, um, you know, with the with the rabbit package on third down and obvious pass rushing situations, 
you know, that's probably been my biggest complaint about the defense um, up until the Mississippi State game is, you know, you just don't see, um, you know, those guys have a lot of counter moves. I mean, it's, it's you, know, if they, if, you know, if Will Anderson doesn't beat his guy, you know, off the snap, you, know, you don't see him using, you know, spin moves and counter moves. And, and uh, you know, the same can be said for, for Chris Allen. I mean, you know, when they get their guy, they get him on the jump on the, the, the snap. Um, you know, they're not getting a lot of outside of probably, you know, you see a little bit of it from, you know, Phil Mathis and, and, and Barmore when he's in there. But, you know, they're not getting a lot of um, productivity in their pass rush out of their, you know, regular D-line, um, you know, contributors. It, it was a little bit better versus Mississippi State. But, you know, I'm not real impressed with their offensive line. Um, but that, that's that been my biggest complaint. And, you know, still you see the the inside linebackers struggling to cover backs out of the backfield in the passing game. But versus Mississippi State, I think that's what we need to focus on. You know, the communication looked better. The guys looked like they knew where to line up and where to go. Um, there wasn't a lot of confusion when the when the you know the ball was snapped by the opposing team. So, you know, I, I'm willing to take that at this point. You know, I, I think if there's any you know level of frustration or complaints on my part, it's it's been um, you know, kind of in the, the front seven, uh, you know, so far this season. Uh, I mean, I think the, the back end of Alabama's defense has played really well this year. Um, you know, they've had, they had some struggles early on, you know, in, versus Old Miss with the safety play and stuff. But, you know, Sertan and, and Josh Job, in my opinion, have, have played really, really well. I mean, you look at Josh Job, I mean, wow. Uh, I mean, uh, a, a physical corner and, and a guy that can give Alabama and, you know, we look at the way that this game is changing. Uh, Nick Saban pointed this out to Chris Lowe a couple of weeks ago, and I know we've all talked about it, but, I mean, kind of Nick Saban pointing on the record saying, uh, if you don't have a strong secondary, you're just not going to be good in the current day of college football. And he knows that they're young. He says that they're inexperienced, but uh, trying to find a way to get better, and, and it looks like that group has taken some significant steps. No, and I, and I would compare Josh Joe, you know, in, in the same – um, light is Mac Jones. Um, you know, I think Steve Sarkeesian was on the record, you know, pretty early on um, in his tenure as Alabama's offensive coordinator that, that Mac Jones was probably the best quarterback he's ever worked with as far as, you know, getting up on a grease board and being able to diagnose, a, you know, a defensive formation that he puts up there, knowing where to go, you know, knowing what route's going to be open, um, you know, based on pre-snap reads. You know where where Max struggled early on in his career. Um, you know was was when he did make a mistake, and uh, you know being able to bounce back from that mentally. And and I think that's where Josh Job was. You know going into the 2020 season. I mean nobody doubts his size or his athleticism or his ball skills. You know I just think that he had some you know mental obstacles to get over. And uh, you know so far through the 2020 season, it looks like he's done just that. What's the biggest game for you as far as level of difficulty left for Alabama? Uh, LSU, Auburn, Kentucky, uh, Arkansas on the road. Uh, and just your opinion as you, you try to evaluate what's left on the regular season. Who's the most difficult game? You know, it's certainly probably going to be a little bit more in their favor because it's a home game. But, you know, based on what I saw Saturday, um, I would probably say Auburn. Um, 
you know, I, I think there's, you know, a lot of problems both on and off the field um, in, in Baton Rouge. Um, yeah, I do think that uh, um, Sam Pittman has done a really, really good job in, in trying to turn that Arkansas program around. Um, you know, Kentucky, um, you know, they're kind of Jekyll and Hyde. I think it depends on what version of them that you get. Um you know, that they, they play good one week and the next week they just kind of, you know, vanish a little bit. But right now I would circle that Auburn game. Um, you know, and, and a lot of that has to do with what I saw Saturday, but a lot of it has to do with, you know, just how big of a thorn in, in Nick Saban's side that Gus Malzahn has been over the, you know, the, the last several years. You know, and we've been talking today, this LSU rivalry uh, may not be as much for the Alabama fans, but inside that locker room, uh, if you ask the players to rank it, it may be number one. I know Alabama fans will always look at uh, Lee County as the rivalry uh, that, you know, they kind of excited the most about. But uh, this one's a big one for those players. Uh, They don't like anybody to try to out-Alabama them, as Jonathan Allen told us a couple of years ago. No, I, and I think you have to kind of look at it based on the, the age demographic of, of the fan that you're talking to. Um, I would say probably, you know, people that are 60 years and older, um, they're probably going to still say it's Tennessee, um, even though Tennessee's, you know, been a dumpster fire for, you know, a decade now, if not longer. Um, but, yeah, you know, inside that Alabama locker room, there is no doubt that they view the LSU rivalry um, as number one. But, um, and, you know, then again, I think when you get down to maybe my age group and younger that, that you know, has lived through the, you know, the Tommy Tuberville era, um, you probably get Auburn. But uh, no doubt about it, inside that locker room, and I would say probably on the coaching staff as well, it's it's LSU. And it's going to be going to be a lot of fun to talk about this team. But, uh, William, I'll end it with this. You think this team has what it takes to win a national title? You know, I think if the defense can continue to improve, um, you know, I think they're going to benefit from playing this SEC-only schedule. Um, you know, I'll take, you know, Bryce Young and, and what I like to call all the babies on the team, you know, getting almost a full quarter versus Mississippi State um, as far as their development as players versus, you know, a full half versus Western Carolina. Um, or, you know, some of the, the cream puffs that are normally out there non-conference-wise. Um, so, you know, to answer your question, yeah, I do think they've got the chemistry and um, the players to be able to do it. Um, you know, you got to sit back and wait and see if they continue to have, you know, good injury luck. Certainly the, the waddle hits, um, you know, going to be a tough one to absorb. That That's a big loss. Uh, but, you know, if they can, you know, get through the rest of the regular season, um, you know, we'll see, you know, who it ends up being, you know, for the SEC championship game if Alabama wins out. Um, but, yeah, they certainly have the makings. I mean, if you look at, um, you know, what's going on around the rest of the, the scene in college football, I mean, certainly, you know, no Trevor Lawrence or not, I think the biggest thing about, you know, Clemson scare um, versus Boston College on Saturday that stood out to me. And I know they've got some guys out with injuries right now, but um, it lo- looks like Clemson has gone backwards in a severe way on defense. So, you know, that's something they're going to have to work out between now and college football playoff time. But, yeah, there's no doubt Alabama's going to have the players on an annual basis to be a college football contender. 
um, in the playoff scenario, and I, and I think they're there right now as well. You know, if you'd have walked in after the last year's uh, game and said, hey, I'll take Mac Jones to win a Heisman Trophy, uh, you could have made some pretty good odds uh, in Las Vegas. It, it went throughout the summer. It kept getting lower and lower and lower and lower, and I think it's 5-4 to four currently in Vegas for Mac Jones. But still got to play the games, got to play the games. And uh, But if he continues on pace, uh, he might add Alabama's first Heisman quarterback. Uh, that sounds good. That sounds really, really good. Uh, William Barger, thank you, as always, for being a part of the show. Hey, Ryan, it's great catching up with you, man. Thank you. Crimson Tide Insider, uh, the former offensive lineman at the University of Alabama. Uh, we'll continue with more of the game. Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama, Crimson Tide Sports. Tide 100.9, WTIDFM. The station in Tuscaloosa for ESPN Radio. Your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tide 100.9, WTIDFM, and ESPN Radio for the biggest events in sports. Your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. It's Elsie having fun. Have some fun, man. Talking Alabama Crimson Tide football on Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler in Tuscaloosa on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. You know, if you want to take something uh, for the evening and you want to chew on something, uh, I don't think this is an indication of anything, but you take one county and we'll take Miami-Dade, which is in the southern tip of Florida. Uh, Right now, Joe Biden has the lead 54 to 45. And you say, well, I don't know if I like that score. Uh, Let me repeat, 54 to 45. 54 to 45. Let that one sink in. Uh, just a couple of minutes, and that's not a small sample size. Uh, that is uh, right at 1 million people uh, that have cast. If you want to kind of chew on what happened in 2016, uh, Hillary Clinton won that county by 29%. Happy Tuesday. Tony, good afternoon, sir. You're in the game. How long have their – so their polls have been closed for, what, about 30 minutes? Yeah, this is the early part of the votes, uh, the, the early – uh, how I mean, many not, do they? How many people they anticipate voting in the Miami Dade? I don't know area. Don't know that question. I'm just so that's uh, what I'd want to know. Going, but I I'll say this. I don't know if you remember, but two years ago when they had the elections, uh, the lady that was in charge of the voting and the and the in in the votes and all, the whole thing of that. Do you remember this? Was involved in her like second or third scandal and now she's also running uh for a congressman down there right am i right <laughs> i think so i of think course. She is. why not yeah why, why not, not? And she's running on fighting the uh the uh election scandal and she's running on she's gonna stop election fraud i mean isn't that what democrats do they, they tell you they're going to they're going to fight what they're doing. Well, let, let me take you to Marlon Humphrey. Everybody knows him, former defensive back at the University of Alabama. I thought Marlon Humphrey had a great tweet earlier today. He says, "Y'all are telling everyone to vote, but then you get mad when they vote for Trump." Laugh out That's loud. Right. 
and he had about uh, 2,000 people that retweeted that. So, uh, you know, when, when you look at it, uh, you know, they want you to vote a certain way. Go vote, go vote, go vote, go vote, vote. Uh, go vote, go vote, go vote. Oh, oh, no, no. They, they want you to obey. So, all right. So, did you vote today, Tony? I mean, I mean, I, I of gotta, course. What okay. do you think? Man? Okay. Uh, what was of what course. was it like at your location? I tell you what, it couldn't have been any easier. The the people working the polls couldn't be any nicer. Couldn't have been. Any, I mean, the experience was fantastic, and I vote at a diverse place, and the people voting. And their inter- intermingling amongst themselves was top-notch class. You know, made you, you know, you watch TV and you see all the stuff and you see all the division and you see all the hate and you see the people burning down the buildings and beating the crap out of people because they're wearing something uh, political and uh, or whatever. You know, people getting shot and like that. And then you go to a place like that and everyone's chill. Everyone's chill. All right, so we, we're not asking you who you voted for, but uh, number one reason well, why you... know you, who I voted for. Well, uh, I'm not forcing anybody to say that. You're welcome to say it if you'd like. But I uh, voted a straight Democratic ticket just like... Uh, I mean, I mean, <laughs> Republican ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I voted a straight Republican ticket. And, uh, you know, and... Chalk another one up. Harry, going left on well, me. We need, oh, everybody's we going need, left on me. No. We need to give Trump an actual chance to do something for the first time in four years. As in, like, power. And the ability to actually get stuff done and move ahead as a country. Because when he first got elected, he had a bunch of Republicans that weren't Republicans. And they fought him every step of the way. They were globalists. They were Democrat, Republican, same party. You know, going down that... And they and, and they caused him when he had, he had the Senate, hey, and, and he had I, the I'm Congress. Trying to get to my because I, I don't have a lot of time, so I know we could run through a historical. Oh no, no that's yeah. fine. But I was just saying, they stood in the way of him being able to get a lot of stuff done that 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 America wanted done. And then, after two years, they vote. He loses Congress, barely holds on to the Senate, and obviously the Congress raised holy hell with him. And tried to it did impeach him in a sense, and you know the uh, the investigation, the Mueller, and you know the, the the phone call and all stuff like that. He's never had an opportunity to actually see what he could do for this country, and I'd like to give it to him. I'm afraid it's never going to happen. I'm afraid the next Tony, our world's going to change forever after tonight. We'll see, and it's in a, in a chaotic way where there there will be no winner tonight. Got, got to run, Tony. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to my last, because uh, I'm going to replay an interview coming up in a couple of minutes, and I'm timing it Roll out. Exactly. Tie, buddy. Thank you, Tony. Good talking to you. Bye. I think you know who I hate the most. <laughs> Auburn? The Bugs? Yeah. The Bugs? Yeah. Right. LSU, and then, you know, I don't even Tennessee. know if we have a third team that can beat us every now and then to make it a rivalry. Roll Tide. Let me spend about two and a half minutes here with Ellis, Manchester, Tennessee. What a way to end the evening. Uh, Ellis, I hope you're having an incredible day, my friend. Awesome day. Did you vote? Oh, I, I, I voted early. Okay. Oh, you voted like earlier in the week or earlier, like, uh, I, I mean, I don't know what Tennessee laws are, so I'm kind of Like the second day of early voting. Okay. 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 All right. So, uh, 
Ellis. I'm on the I'm on the Trump train. Okay. Hey, feels good, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It, it feels awesome. Uh, I voted for who I voted for because he's done what he said he was going to do. He didn't say he was going to do something and then get in office and not even do it. Sure, sure. He has done everything he said he was going to do. Uh, and he's for the people. Uh, not just one specific uh, people. He's for every American. And for America. So that's why I voted for Gotcha. Hey, Ellis, uh, i got to get to Mike Farrell. I'm going to replay Mike Farrell here in the final couple of minutes, man. And uh, I'm going to get out of here a couple of minutes early. Tennessee, Auburn, and LSU. I knew it. There's our first Tennessee at number one coming from the state of Tennessee. The Vols are back. All right, Ellis, be good, man. Roll Tide. Roll. Roll. Trump roll, I guess, would be the best way to say it. Uh, James Ludeman helping us out. Brian helping us out. Joe earlier. Uh, We've got to get out of here a couple of minutes early. We're going to replay Mike Farrell, National Recruiting Director, the godfather of recruiting. He'll join us coming up in just a couple of seconds. Uh, Regardless of tonight's outcome, you know, I I said earlier that my prayer would be that we get past this and we unify the country. Uh, Hopefully uh, that happens. We'll cover it wall to wall uh, as we travel throughout the evening. Uh, We remind you that we call this program the game of the only way that you can win the big game, the game of life, is to walk daily with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Good night, T-Town. Have a wonderful evening. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 2 o'clock here on Tide 100.9. A beautiful afternoon. Sunshine in full supply. The high 68. The sky clear tonight. Not as cold as last night. The low 39. And for tomorrow and Thursday, a good supply of sunshine both days. Highs ranging from 71 to 74 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9, WTIDFM, and ESPN Radio, bringing you all things sports in T-Town. You're listening to Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. The host of the game, Ryan Fowler, and the host of the Martin Houston Show, Martin Houston, have combined to offer a show filled with in-depth analysis of Alabama football and more. Alabama Tradition broadcasts live on Tide 100.9 every Tuesday from 6 to 7 p.m. and is available live and on playback on numerous affiliates around the Southeast. Check out alabamatradition.com for a list of affiliates as well as other great content.
to Tuscaloosa. I hope you're having a great day. Doing good. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, we talked with Tony Sakalas yesterday, the uh, the president of Mac Jones Fan Club, and uh, yep. he just wanted to kind of just say hello uh, to you and j- just. <laughs> Yeah, hi to Tony. Um, I have Mac actually with Trevor Lawrence missing a game last week and missing another one this week. I have Mac as my number one guy for the Heisman right now, and you know he's he's doing outstanding. I thought Bryce Young would be the guy by now, but you know he keep winning. He puts up immaculate numbers, and uh, he's got the tide rolling. So congrats! Yeah, we we put up a picture on our Instagram at rivals dot com of Mac winning awards for us over the years uh, at high school. Okay, and he looks twelve years old. Everybody's got to check it out. I mean, he is the youngest looking kid you're ever going to see out of high school, but was still a four star and, and and could sling it. Well, and, and let me ask you when when you look back at his recruiting process, because I don't think anybody listen. If we would have interviewed his mother and said, "Okay, what do you think Mac Jones is going to do as far as this year?" Nobody could have picked what he's been able to do. I mean, it, you know, even the the biggest. Mac Jones supporters. Uh, I think he surprised a lot of us. But going back to the recruiting side, bring it back like you're evaluating him coming out of uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Um, real skinny kid, you know, and not a huge frame to grow on, uh, even though he is tall. Um, his arm strength was excellent. His accuracy was solid. You know, we had him as a four-star in the Rivals 250. Um, you know, we'd evaluate him as a 30 to 40 offer kid at the FBS level. So we liked him quite a bit. Confidence level through the roof. Um, you know, had a cockiness about him, a quiet cockiness that, you know, it doesn't surprise me that he stuck it out. It doesn't surprise me that he, he stayed in the Alabama recruiting class with Tua um, when everybody told him to get out. Uh, this kid believes in himself. And if you get confidence in his game, he's just going to soar, and, and that's what's happening here. So Kentucky was where he was originally committed to, and uh, obviously they could use him quite a bit. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Bryce Young, you know, quarterbacks aren't patient these days. You know, so I thought this is what I thought. I thought we were going to see a Kirby Smart, Jake Fromm, uh, Justin Fields situation, and I, I don't think we are. I think Nick Saban knows how to manage this stuff much better. And I just looked at the rival's Instagram account. I mean, it brought a big smile to my face. I mean, you're right. The guy looks uh, like a 12-year-old. I mean, I mean I, I'm looking at it. Uh, you know, his teammates call him dad bod uh, here mm-hmm. in Tuscaloosa. That's, that's some of the little joke that they're kind of aggravating with. They call him dad bod. Uh, well, he put on a little punch. I mean, that's the only way he can put on. I mean, you look at how skinny he is in those pictures. And those are high school pictures. Those are not like Mac Jones holding trophies when he was 12. That's legit. 17, 16, 18-year-old Mac Jones. So, you know, he, he looked very, very young and very tiny. But through that, we still, you know, liked his arm strength and his accuracy and especially his confidence. He thought he was a peer to us. He didn't think he was a kid. Like, he was, he'd stand on the sidelines with us and he'd evaluate other kids with no filter whatsoever. Mac was really fun to be around. I, I'm curious when you look at this quarterback waiting it out. Let's just say that he goes on. I mean, we'll paint the big photo. He wins the Heisman. They go on. They win a national title. I mean, I'm just I'm throwing out you know a, a biased prediction. But let's say that that a guy that waited his turn. Is there any way that the cycle trends back where maybe quarterbacks are a little bit more patient and go, hey, we can develop or no way, Jose? No, it'll never happen. Okay. Um, quarterbacks are a different animal. They all have 
tremendous egos. They all think they're the best. Um, they will go to places where they shouldn't, uh, and they will transfer, you know, likely when they shouldn't either. It's just one of those things where the portal has made it possible for success. I mean, you know, Baker Mayfield, number one pick overall portal. Kyler Murray, number one pick overall portal. Joe Burrow, number one pick overall portal, you know. The Mitch Trubisky's of the world who waited his chance and was picked very, very high in the draft and is now, you know, obviously struggling in Chicago. And the Mac Jones of the world are very rare. Um, I, I think they're great. I think that's what you need. But it's not it's not how it is this day and age with these kids. Mike, I'd love to be able to talk some recruiting in the past. Um, you know, we did a poll late last week of just saying – who do you think right now is one of the best defensive players on this team? Now he didn't get all the votes, and he wasn't a you know front runner. But Malachi Moore's name came up quite a bit. Um, walk me back to to Trustville watching this young man come in. I mean, did anybody expect him to be able to do what he's doing here in T Town? I don't think this early. You know, Malachi was a tremendous, tremendous athlete, but he wasn't a great football player, if that makes sense. Okay. And you know, there, there was a chance given to him because of that athleticism, because he could have played multiple different positions. Um, you know, and he's obviously been given a, a, a tremendous chance to play, uh, but to have an impact like he's had, um, you know, so early, it reminds me a little bit of a, of a Minka Fitzpatrick type of situation where let's throw him in there and let him learn as he goes along and he's so versatile and smart that he's going to figure it out. And, and I think that's what we're seeing with him, but you know, a good player, we had him as a four star as well. It's not like, you know, it's the good thing about Alabama. If you're an Alabama fan and you ever complain about recruiting, you should be shipped out of the country because it's ridiculous to ever worry about recruiting because, okay, we got some holes in the defense, Oh, geez, what are we going to do? do Two-star, three-star? No, we don't have those. We've got fours and fives. That's it. We're going to plug them in, and they're going to become great players, and that's just the way it rolls. Mike, is there still a lot of high schools that are, are not playing that uh, – in? because in, I, I know I kind of get these Bama blinders on, but outside I know that we've got the Pac-12 starting, got the Big Ten started, but I mean just high school football. And if so, how is that impacting the evaluation for some of these college coaches? Uh, it's been rough. Um, coaches, luckily for them, I mean, it's going to, the 2022 cycle and the 2023 cycle are going to suffer because of it. Um, you know, the state of Virginia is not playing, uh, North Carolina is not playing, um, off the top of my head, California is certainly not playing. I mean, most of the West coast isn't playing. Um, so you've got a lot of different states where things are shut down and you're not able to get live game, uh, evaluation on players. Um, the whole camp season was shut down last spring. All the summer camps for colleges were shut down as well. Um, so to get eyeballs on the younger kids, because 90% of the 2021 class is done from an evaluation standpoint by the summer. Uh, but the 2022s and 2023s are out there. You know, there's a lot of guys that still need that exposure. So hopefully we'll get back to a regular camp schedule in the spring. And then we'll have the summer camps in the college uh, for the colleges in the summer, and uh, you know enough of this. I mean, I know 
Yeah, just enough of it. I'm oh, tired. I know. Hey, we, we all are. We, we're, uh, well, it's, it's, it's hanging on and it's going to hang on for a while. We just have to adjust to it. And, you know, I think shutting down the season was a mistake personally sure. um, for, for high schools and their athletic associations. I think it was sort of a knee jerk reaction. And I know there's kids in Virginia and North Carolina and California that are just dying to play and they don't want to play in the spring. They're not going to play in the spring, most of the good ones. It's just, you know, we've, we've had some bumps. Wisconsin's canceled their second game. You know, we've had some postponements, but we've had a football season. And uh, by and large, it's been successful. So I think the state shutting down was just a little bit premature. Well, and, and, and Mike, I've, I've said this, and I'm not, I'm not trying to drag you into politics, but that's one of the good things about today. At least when we get past this day, hopefully we can quit politicizing it for a candidate. That you know, Because I just feel like that so much has been done to, to get somebody on their side. And, and it's like – and it's both sides. It's, it's like I want the truth. Just give me the numbers. Give me the numbers, please. And, nah, that's, it's no truth in numbers. The only thing – you know, in, in sports, there's truth in numbers, which is great. Uh, you know, if you throw five picks, there's really no way to bury that. But for some reason, you can finagle the numbers when it comes to mortality and all the other stuff. And you know, I, I, I never thought politics would truly get in the way of, of, of college football. And this year I've seen it and it's it's really jarring. So I am so happy we're playing football. I'm so happy Mac Jones is making me look wrong. I, I'm so happy Tony thinks I was rooting against Mac Jones, which I'm not. If you ever met Mac Jones, and this is the thing, you remember Joe Burrow emerged last year as the confident kid, the cocky kid, and well-spoken and put together and all that. When is somebody going to tap into the personality that is Mac Jones? Because I can tell you this, there's no doubt in my mind he's the most entertaining person on that Alabama football team, <laughs> by far, hands down. Mike Fair with us, the Godfather Recruiting Rivals.com. It's the Bama Insider from a local perspective, covering the University of Alabama. The national side is Rivals.com. Going back to uh, this shutdown, some of these teams have not been focused on playing. Has that given them an advantage in the coaching side that they can spend more time recruiting and, and not preparing for games? I know they're going to have to play catch up and they may lose it at the back end, but has some of the coaches been able to spend more time on recruiting and has that paid off? No, because they're not allowed to travel. Um, it's, it's a real killer. So it's one of those things where you have more time than ever to recruit, and you can't even recruit. I mean, you can. You can Zoom with kids. You can DM them. You can text them. You can do all the other things, but you can't get them on your campus to visit. They can't meet you in person. You can't go to their school to meet their their teachers and their principals and their parents. And, you know, right now the dead period's through December 31st. Home visits, in-home visits for head coaches usually start December 1st. That's gone. Um, there's no way to take advantage of it from a recruiting standpoint. Um, you know, so what they're doing is they're throwing themselves into, you know, film evaluation. But that's very risky because you can see a kid on film and then you can show up at his school and he's 5'9 instead of the 6 foot he's listed and looks. And it changes everything about him. So they're working not in the dark, but... It's definitely dusk for recruiting, and it's it's hard for a lot of the programs that rely on those summer camps to find those three stars. Um, so I think the the more my point is the most powerful teams like Alabama are going to get more powerful, and and the the surprising teams like a Minnesota last year are going to be you know more rare. 
Final question. You've got team rankings for Alabama at that number one spot, a spot according to Rivals.com. Uh, can the Tide hang on to that number one spot, forecasting the future? They should be able to. There's one team that's, you know, actually two teams that are a real threat to them. Um, the, the, the thing to look for is how many commitments you've got in your average star ranking. So Alabama's up there, 22 commitments, 3.82. I worry about LSU a little bit um, because they've still got Corey Foreman, Mason Smith, some big, big names involved. And then you slide down a little bit and you see Georgia, who's won the last three for us at a 3.89 with only 18 commitments and plenty of room to close. Uh, those are the two teams that could knock them off. But I still have the Tide finishing first. Um, but it's going to be real close. Ohio State is number two right now, but not not a true threat to to knock them off, I don't think. I'll tell you, man, seeing Oregon in this top ten last year in your poll, uh, but also seeing them this year, I mean, man, I mean, Mario Cristobal. Uh, that is Mario. I mean, if anybody who knows Mario, you know, I met Mario uh, not as a player, but at his, one of his first jobs at Rutgers. Infectious personality, tireless recruiter. Um, and it's been unfortunate to my life that he's on the West Coast because he'll text at, I don't know, 11, <laughs> which is kind of two, sure. 2 in the morning for sure. me. Sure, sure. Um, so I need I need Mario back on the East Coast so I can get to sleep because he's just he's, he's nuts. He's crazy and he's great at recruiting. It's going to be a lot of fun. And he's a name that gets thrown around if Nick Saban retires, uh, you know, in the five, six, seven years. I mean, that name... You know, because it kind of fits what what Nick Saban has been able to do here in Tuscaloosa. Uh, Mike, the great website, Rivals.com. Everybody knows about that. Bama Insider uh, with Andrew Bone, Tony, Kyle, all those guys covering the University of Alabama. But uh, we also invite uh, people to also connect with you on Twitter. I mean, you have fun on Twitter, which which is something I like, uh, at Rivals Mike. And uh, it's always a fun follow there. Uh, Mike, thank you for giving us a couple of minutes here in Tuscaloosa. All right, no problem. Thanks. Crimson Tide, Crimson Tide, Roll Tide.